Friends, I will read Matthew chapter 5, verses 45 and 48. That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise under the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Called to perfection. This promised commandment is written in the book of Matthew and is presented in the series of sermons of Pastor Arcadi, and it is the inheritance of the saints of all time and is addressed by Christ himself to his disciples. And therefore, people who do not acknowledge the authority of the person sent by God have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment. With regard to the fulfillment of this commandment, we will look at one of the purposes of the righteousness of God in the heart of a person that gives God the basis to give us the promise to be heirs or sons of peace through righteousness by faith, just as he had given to Abraham and his seed. Romans chapter 4 verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of peace was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The righteousness of faith that this is talking about is defined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, presented in the gospel word of the messenger of God at the head with the person who represents for us the fatherhood of God, and the sign by which we should judge of our partaking to the sons of peace, which we have already read about, is by our ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love. Colossians 3, 14, 15. So the selective law of God flows from the state of peace, if we have it. Let us read. But above the, all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. So righteousness gives birth to peace, and peace gives birth to the holy selective law of God. And according to these words, the peace of God in our hearts is possible only under the condition that the selective love of God will abide in our hearts and we will be clothed into the selective love of God. The characters of the, of the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the light of seven unearthly virtues. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2-8. through eight. Let us read these definitions of love. It is, Virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly love, uh, brotherly kindness, and love. So love is like the crown of all of these. It is, It adorns the head of the one who is victorious. And the selective love of God expressed in the seven unearthly dignities has nothing in common with the nature of the tolerant love of man that is filled with ignorance, selfishness and inconsistency and apart from the tolerant or the selfish love of man the selective love of God in the light of seven virtues differs and that it contains the zeal of God and his absolute wisdom which is impossible to use in our 
selfish goals, whereas a tolerant love of man toward man can be easily used in the ignorant and selfish purposes. This is how the place of scripture defines the strength of God's love. Songs of Solomon chapter 8 verses 6 through 7. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. The level of God's love is defined by the level of God's love toward the just who practice good and hatred toward evil and those who carry or practice evil. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9. You, talking about Christ and all those who are found in Christ, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Only by loving that which God loves and hating that which God hates can we demonstrate the perfection of God and His reaction to righteous people who practice good and the unrighteous who practice evil and lawlessness. For the selective love of God, according to un unchanging nature in the format of seven virtues, is called to bring us to the fullness of the measure of Christ, or into the perfection that is inherent to our Heavenly Father, so that we can shine with the sun of our justice on the just and pour out our rains on the just and on the unjust. With regard to this, it is specifically the power of the selective love of God in the format of the seven unearthly virtues that is called to destroy the power of death in our body and replace it with the reign of the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and clothe our bodies into the resurrection of Christ in the face of our new man. So tolerant love is incapable of this. When studying the first question, what dignities does Scripture endow the love of God? Pastor came to the conclusion that the love of God is poured out and is flowed out from the virtue of God Himself that is expressed in His goodness. Goodness is referring to one, the Father in heaven. And this word goodness or godliness can be given to the one whom God allows to have these properties. The second one of these qualities, it flows from Christ in the subject of his sacrificial um, sacrifice for his church. Third, the love of God is poured out in our hearts in the face of the Holy Spirit who produces um, the atmosphere of the love of God. Furthermore, the love of God is poured out in our hearts by hearing the word of God that is sent to us by God. Fifth, the love of God is poured out in our hearts by studying the creation the world has created. In his creation, he is contained he contains his goodness and people will not have forgiveness unfortunately why because how he preaches in the stars in the trees in the sunsets and the sunrises these kind of sermons these kind of sunsets these kind this kind of thundering where everyone is shaken this kind of great sermon is preached by the the creator himself and to say that god doesn't exist how stiff must one be 
how stiff-necked must he be. Six, the love of God is poured out in our hearts through fellowship with one another through the church. And seven, the love of God is poured out in our hearts through the good soil of our heart. So our heart also has the right to have the quality of goodness if it has a good heart. We looked at seven characteristics where the selective love of God can be found. Let us take a look at the level of God's love that comes from the godliness of God. We arrived at the conclusion that the level of God's love is acknowledged by the level of God's hatred toward evil and those who practice evil. Because only by loving that which God loves and hating that which God hates do we express God's reaction to good and to evil. Furthermore, answering the first question, who and what does God love, we've defined that the love of God, pouring out of God by nature, is first, it loves to have mercy on those who repent. And again, it, has, it loves to have mercy on those who repent. And here we see ourselves as well. Second, it loves to have mercy on the orphan, the widow, and the foreigner. It loves its nation. It loves, it loves the righteous. It loves the gates of Zion. It loves justice, and it loves a cheerful giver. Here are seven things minimum that God loves. And let's take a look. Looking at what God hates, we've noted that the love of God pouring out of the virtue of God hates those who hate God. It hates those who practice evil works. It hates violence. It hates evil thoughts against our neighbor and false rumors that people spread in among one another. It hates when the festivals of the Lord are used for the satisfaction of the flesh. It hates the work of the Nicolaitans, or rather tolerant love, where the Nicolaitans said, well, we don't think that this is a sin. Scripture said that this is a sin. Nicolaitans says, nope, this is all needed. God knows our weak sides. That's why, that's okay. We can. This was dangerous to them, and God had said, through his son, Jesus. The father gave to the son, the son gave to the angel, angel gave to John, John gave to his helpers. All the helpers sat down in their churches and said, Saints, God hates the work of the Nicolaitans. And seventh, God hates worship to other idols. And so in a certain form, but we have already looked at the selective love of God in virtue, in its virtue, in its knowledge, in its self-control, and in its patience. We have stopped to talk about godliness, but before we move on to godliness, let's again summarize and remember what virtue, knowledge, self-control, and patience mean. Let us remember that the knowledge of God's love in us gives us knowledge of what God views as good and what He views as evil. So, knowledge tells us what is good and what is evil. Whereas, self-control, God's self-controlling love in us gives us the power to choose what is good and now reject what God views as evil. Isaiah 7.15 Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. So to choose and to reject, we must understand, we must have knowledge. And so again, uh, knowledge tells us what is good, what is bad, and now self-control tells us how to choose good and how to reject evil. And so the third quality, patience. The patience of Christ that flows out is the patience of Christ that in its state and characteristics has no relation to the earthly state and definition of, of patience. First Timothy 
3.5. Now may the Lord direct your paths into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. The patience of Christ allows us to see our inheritance in Christ with the eyes of God and to patiently wait for the fulfillment of what we have seen. The patience of Christ can await, and for it to await, it must specifically see what it's waiting for. And as Pastor has written here, that all of this occurs in a state of, of joy. The patience of Christ can abide in a state of joy. If there's no joy in our heart, if there is only worry, then we're patient, we suffer, but this isn't the patience of Christ. Patience of Christ is only there where there is joy from being patient. It arrives. If you were told, let's look at this in a physical example. Uh, on your accounts, there is one million dollars that gets placed. You have information. Yes, this will be an emotional. We're not talking about it, but something will change. Did you see this money? No. You just received the information. Same thing here. There is a certain promise that we must know very well about. The promise about the coming of Christ. The promise about the coming of Christ for His bride. The promise that lies at the door of our hope. These three promises that follow one another. These three promises, compress them, if we take them, if we at least accept them in our hearts and be fully knowledgeable of these promises, then the joy of Christ comes. And when we have the joy of Christ, then Christ and patience comes. And He says, now together we'll wait for the fulfillment of this promise. And now let us talk to the about the next virtue of love that is expressed in godliness. 1 Timothy 6, 3-5 If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then to the doctrine which accords with godliness, Brother Arkady has already talked about about a year or so now about this quality of godliness. And people ask, well, why has Pastor talked about this point for so long? This isn't a point and a sub-point. This is the teaching, the teaching about godliness. Again, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent with the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus into the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words. The teaching of godliness and the selective love of God and... Um, and lust are incompatible to one another. In Scripture, the discipline of godliness and the selective love of God is presented as a fundamental truth of the gospel faith teaching that contains the great mysteries of God. 1 Timothy 3.16 And without the controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. We must accept it as it is given to the person who represents the Father of God for us on earth. We should not uh, go against this or groan or mumble against this, but accept it. And again, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. Thus, it is through the manifestation of the fruit of godliness that we can identify God's love agape in the heart of a person. In scripture, the meaning contained in the dignity of godliness highlights the correct relationships between saints and God that are tied with the bond of the covenant. And therefore, the sense of the selective love of God and godliness is defined and expressed in mutual obligations between God and man 
that have been written by God in the mutual covenant of peace with God. For example, in the Torah, the word godliness is met 245, 245 times. In Psalms, it's met 213 times. In Prophets, it's met 127 times. And it's mentioned very often in, par uh, in Proverbs. And it finds also its implementation in the authors of the New Testament as well. On the internet, if you look up the word godliness, you will see about a million entries to this word. If you type in a different word, forgive me, the word fool, again, forgive me for saying this, the word fool, you will receive half a million different pages related to this. One brother told me, if there's not the internet, I don't know how I would prepare for a serve, for, to preach. I had said, if I don't have a printer, I wouldn't know how I would prepare for the, the sermon. We know. Uh, we look at... Oh, excuse me. 500 million entries for the word um, fool 500 million and perhaps only 1 million for the word godliness and oftentimes people go onto the internet to find interpretations in this vast ocean we find the information and we try to formulate it into our format and weave it into our sermons Oftentimes, it can be um, it can be evident when a person rips certain things out of out of the internet. And so we know that the more times a word is mentioned in scripture, it contains some um, it contains great meaning if it's mentioned so many times in scripture. We're starting four different questions. What uh, what are the characteristics of godliness? What is the purpose of godliness? What price must we pay for our godliness to cooperate with the godliness of God? And four, by what signs should we define that our godliness truly cooperates with the godliness of God? Right now, in this moment on uh, Sundays, pastors talking about the fourth question. Uh, we're talking about the signs by which we can define that our godliness cooperates with the godliness of God. Uh, but today... We will remember the first question, what are the characteristics? What is godliness? And second, what purpose is godliness called to fulfill? And then in the future, we'll talk about the third question. But today, we'll talk about the first two. We're going to go very quickly. I'm going to speak very quickly. And so the first question, what scripture, what, what characteristics does scripture endow the godliness of man and the godliness of God? So, um, the godliness, there's a difference between the godliness of God and the godliness of man. Let us take a look at the godliness of God expressed in his goodness and his favor toward man. Then we'll look at the godliness of man expressed in thanksgiving to God. First, the godliness of God is the goodness of God that is yielded by his good, acceptable, perfect will that was formulated in the depths of the Heavenly Father and implemented by him into a commandment. The godliness of God was built up by God into a law for his chosen remnants. 
so that they could be an image of his son. Romans 8.29 For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Very interesting here. There are two definitions that Brother Caddy had said. That godliness is first the goodness that was found in the depths of the Father, and for this godliness to be expressed for it to be demonstrated to us he didn't demonstrate it on his face he takes it from his depths as we heard about the, the preaching of tides he places it from his depths this revelation, this godliness that which he has, he places it into the Word of God. He entrusts this Word of God to the man who represents the Father of God. This person transforms it to us into notes. This notes is the contents of a heart, then it becomes the achievement of my mind, then my lips, and then it becomes the proclamation of my lips. Now, with this, this proclamation, come to God. And now this godliness that I have, um, when the godliness that I have, he can demonstrate in himself. So, when it when David reigns in the throne in our heart, mind, and lips, then God will say, I want to show you the godliness of my countenance. The godliness of God in the format of his godliness or goodness towards his children finds itself in definitions such as the recorded in its geography where godliness is found. Again, it is found in the selected law of God toward his children, in the good thoughts of God in relation to his children, in the legislation of God for his children, in the unchanging word of God demonstrated in his will, in the holiness of God, righteousness of God, judgments of God, in the mercy of God, faithfulness of God, in patience, comfort, and the mercy of God, in the reward of God. God, in the heart of the Father, in the seat of the Father, in the womb of the mother, and these are the coordinates where we can find godliness. Thus, the selective love of God shown in the goodness of God toward His children is defined as, not as coordinates, but again now as the goodness of God. We're given coordinates where we can find godliness. But when I say, well, what characteristics does a specific person have as godliness? The coordinates where God can can meet us. Let us read about the characteristics of God's godliness so that we can we can define it. And so the goodness of God is the good, uh, the favor of God, the reverence of God, the eternal love of God, demonstrated in the Holy Spirit, the atmosphere and state of the heart of the Heavenly Father, the good and magnified thoughts of the heart of the Heavenly Father, mercy, comfort, long-suffering, holiness, belonging of the Heavenly Father, the promises given to His children, the inheritance of the Heavenly Father prepared for His children. Now let's take a look at the godliness of a person that is expressed in love toward God, that expresses itself in the actions of these characteristics. So now, coordinates where we must place our godliness that will cooperate with the godliness of God. This is a conscience that is cleansed from dead works with a 
contents of truth. So we must know our geography, where we must place our godliness, where so that it meets with the godliness of God. Again, our conscience this comes from dead works, the proclamation of the faith of our heart that finds itself in the actions of righteousness, trembling before the word of God in union with brokenness of the spirit, honor toward God and offering him tithes, a meek heart expressed humility before the word of God, the ability to love righteousness and hate lawlessness, the ability to have mercy on those who repent, the ability to look upon uh, the widows, orphans, and foreigners, the ability to keep ourselves undefiled from the world. Again, we're looking at the geography, where we can find this godliness. It is the ability to thank God for his redemption, to express the favor of God in his word, the ability to wait for the film of film another promise given by God, the ability to look upon these promises, the ability called the inexistent as existent, the ability to rule over money, and the ability to be joyful in that which we have. These are coordinates where we can place our godliness, where our godliness awaits for meeting with God's godliness. Therefore, the godliness of a person we saw the coordinates, and now let's take a look at the state according to which he can define us. There are correct, there are many people correct coordinates, but now let's look at each of us individually. We must be good to God. We must be acceptable to God. We must be truthful to God, to be joyful in God, to be affirmed in God, to trust in God, hope in God, rely on God, glorify God, find refuge in God, wait for the coming of God. It is with this long list of meanings, the Old Testament and the New Testament define the love of God and the discipline of godliness as one of the greatest mysteries of God himself. Again, let me read 1 Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is a mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Despite these characteristics that are called to yield the essence of godliness, there is a forgery that exists to godliness that will resist true, the true manifestation of godliness. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people, turn away. True godliness in man differs the forgery of godliness in man, and it breaks off relationships with them because it has a discipline able to fulfill uh, the statutes and decrees of God. If we don't break off a relationship with people who have only an outward appearance of godliness, and if we do not depart from them, then they will destroy our godliness that is comprised of our good morals, because of which we, along with them, will inherit eternal perdition. With regard to this, we turn to certain words in Scripture in which we viewed at the definition and purpose of godliness. Godliness in which our godliness must cooperate with the godliness of God and His goodness. And so, let us again be reminded of the godliness that God has, and then we look at the godliness that we must have. Again, first let's start talking about the godliness in the selective love of God that God has. It's in His goodness. And so the first thing, we're talking about God. First we're talking about God, then we'll talk about us. Godliness and the selective love of God and the dignity of His goodness comes 
or is one of the names of God and is one of his properties that defines the essence of God. Luke chapter 18 verse 19. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. He had he had corrected somebody saying, take a look, Christ was never quiet to hear this kind of compliment in one's address. Usually people thank others for this. But he strictly looked and said, why do you call me good? This person shouldn't be complimented. We can thank him, but we should not waver in our thanksgiving. No one is good but one, that is God. Furthermore, godliness and the selective love of God and the dignity of his goodness comes from the face of God. Psalms 30 verse 8. Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was troubled. So, when David did not see the countenance of God, and David is a person in whose spirit God has dwelt. By Psalms, we can define that in this person, God had reigned in all, his, all instances of his essence. When we reach this instance, this beauty, this beauty must resonate in our heart, mind, and then this beauty will resonate in as psalms from our lips. Psalms 44.4 For they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arm save them, but it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance, because you favored them. So take a look. The countenance and tied with God, godliness. Godliness demonstrates favor toward God. This godliness contains all the good of God, all His goodness. Furthermore, again, we're talking about God and His godliness. Godliness and the selective love of God resists the false godliness of man. Second Timothy verses 2, 3 through 5. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but deny its power. And from such people, turn away. 2 Timothy verses 3, 2-5 Thus, godliness and selective love of God is the holy manifestation that is tied to the action of God in relation to those people with whom he makes his covenant. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 8 through 12. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience, concerned only with foods and drinks. He had contained his goodness in the future. In the future, again, contains our hope. A person who does not have hope in his heart or a faith that expresses itself in hope has no relation whatsoever to godliness. We'll talk about this a little bit later as well. Furthermore, godliness is one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit without which a person will be unable to demonstrate the selected love of God in his faith. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. In these words, the spirit of godliness that was upon Jesus Christ in the dignity of the Son of Man pointed to the state of the heart that is filled with the fear of the Lord 
in union with reverence. Psalms 143.10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Furthermore, again, we're talking about the godliness of God. The godliness of the, in the selective love of God is the heart of the Father, seed of the Father, womb of the Mother, in the purity of a virgin. Hebrews 7, 9 through 10. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Take a look at how important it is to have an organized partaking to Abraham. Levi was a son of Abraham, and all that belonged to Abraham moved on to uh, Levi. He had given his tithes in the face of Abraham. Why? Because he was a true son of Abraham. Furthermore, godliness and the selected love of God is the holiness of God, his lot, his portion, his inheritance, and his calling for his chosen remnant. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 9. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is a place of his inheritance. And so, also, Deuteronomy 18.2, Therefore you shall have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance, as he said to them. And we know that God had given this work to Levi. He said, that God himself will be our portion. And Levi had done a lot from his end to be a part of this portion. He did not acknowledge his brothers, did not know his children. He fulfills the law. Arumathimim abided on him. He had many things for which he had to pay a high price for. And he had demonstrated to everyone that only God is his portion. That's why the Lord said of Levi, that I, you shall receive no inheritance among your brethren, and that I, the Lord, is your, are your inheritance. Furthermore, godliness and the selective love of God is, are the obligations of God and the time which God has allotted. So God does everything in His own time, and this is what His godliness is contained in. Isaiah 62.1 For Zion's sake I will not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, and her lamp as a lamp that burns. And again, we've already heard numerous times that Pastor has said that it is necessary to write and engrave the visions of God on the tablets of her heart so that the one who reads in the face of God could easily read it. And Scripture says that despite the fact that he may tarry, wait for him, he will surely come or it will surely be fulfilled. And here God says, I will not be quiet for the Zion of this Jerusalem. Why? Because Jerusalem does not quiet. Furthermore, godliness in the selected love of God talks about the undeserved gift of grace in relation to man without waiting for some kind of return. This is the work of godliness. Let us read about our justification as a gift of grace. Romans chapter 3, verses 24 to 26. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So, the godliness of God is expressed in justification. God justifies His own. 
Furthermore, godliness and the selected love of God is acknowledging a person as blameless and undeserving of punishment. This is all that, this is what godliness does. He is a godly judge, a good judge. So it's very joyful when you have a good judge that is on your case. Second Corinthians 5.19, that is God. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the world of reconciliate the word of reconciliation. Isaiah fifty three. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. And we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Interesting. I thought here uh, I would list all the sins, but no, scripture says each of us have turned his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Unique sin. When we turn to our own way, when we try to view things with our own understanding, our own intellect, our own mind. Well, here's where's a list here about alcoholics, about uh, about being alcohol, an alcoholic, or smoking. First, we have the sin of disobedience and then all the rest furthermore godliness and the selective of God is the mercy of God his compassion toward those who repent Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 7 but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus here again we see the godliness of God that's present he has made us alive so that he can resurrect us he has given birth to us so that then He can raise us up. As we hear on multiple occasions, that life is not always resurrection. Resurrection is always life. He has uh, given birth to us so He can give us resurrection. He can resurrect us when we die to our nation, our household, and our crop plus. In doing so, we die, and this brings us resurrection. He has made us alive in Christ. Raise us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's why life, a life that is not transformed into revelation is transformed into the eternal, eternal death. Again, life is not always resurrection. Resurrection is always life. We receive this resurrection through the cross of Christ and in the loss of our life. Not long ago, Brother Kadi has said, I didn't pay attention to the fact that resurrection there's a resurrection of condemnation, resurrection of life. He who is lawless, he says, pay attention. In the resurrection, resurrection of life is when a person who lives eternally with Christ, the resurrection of condemnation, when a person wants to die, he is tormented. He is ready to die. He can't. Christ has given him one small part of himself. If you live eternally, you can't die. This is also called life. You will forever be tormented. And look at how interesting is that resurrection. All people will... 
Some people will have resurrection of life, eternal, eternal life with God, and others will have resurrection of condemnation. When a person will eternally live in torment. Furthermore, godliness and selective of God is demonstrated for a person in the commandments of God. Daniel 3.30 And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Furthermore, godliness and the selective love of God is demonstrated in people who represent the fatherhood of God. Titus chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Again, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Truth and godliness, which accords with godliness, he has entrusted in me. This is the letter of Apostle Paul to Titus. Paul, There is a general and there is a sergeant. There is a captain and a soldier. And there is a, a, there is a clear order of hierarchy. And if we are not submissive, this is our insubordination. There are certain things and there are certain words whose authorship is cannot be uh, rewritten or or changed. Furthermore, again, we're talking about the godliness. So godliness and the selective love of God is demonstrated in the little flock who represents God's chosen remnant. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Do not fear your little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 1 Corinthians 10.5 But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Furthermore, godliness and the selective love of God is demonstrated in the knowledge of God. So the Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn to you. Furthermore, again, we're talking about the godliness of God. This, um, this is a strict topic. I'm smiling to soften it a little bit because I myself am, tr I tremble at these words, these definitions. I know what it costs to write this. When Brother Arkady had worked um, writing the teaching of Jesus Christ, I was around six years old. He was a little over 20. I knew him from long ago. He, and all that Christians had in the previous Soviet Union was the Bible, 
the symphony book. If he was blessed to have a dictionary, um, thesaurus, great. Take all of this and combine the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation and point out or um, show the teaching of Jesus Christ. Now, again, remember, there's a foundation, and about, among this foundation there are walls. Then there are gates, to, and where we are met with the fruit of the tree of life. Please explain to me what this is, how we can be clothed in the, in the life of God. The Bible, the symphony book. Oh, perhaps you might even use an encyclopedia. You might say, without the Holy Spirit, this is impossible. Back then, the internet, you couldn't find this. Try to type in the internet, the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. You will see all, all kinds of garbage that is seen in many other different de denominations. And they sell it for a lot of money. And these are oftentimes called bestsellers books. You will look at the photo of a picture of the author, and you will be terrified. It shouldn't be allowed on the pulpit. People try to write about this teaching. But of course, this whole circus will all come to an end when God comes. He will place everything in its place. Someone, he will give a banana, and others, someone else, he will give a microphone, an actual microphone. Matthew 3.16 when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Also, godliness and the selected love of God, again, we're talking about his godliness, is expressed in the yoke of Christ and then in the burden of Christ. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28-30 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light so this is a yoke that is not heavy and not long ago pastor had said also an interesting question or an interesting point that this yoke that had laid on Abessalom that was his veil it had burdened him and that's why every year he had to cut his hair he had to show that what my father David has I don't have fewer than that trust me I have all of these things he said but he also always every year had to cut his hair because it was very burdensome for him it was hard for him to acknowledge the fatherhood of the heavenly father and his father David yeah, David had mistakes and people knew about them Abbasalam didn't see himself less, but this discipleship, this fatherhood had burdened him, and every year he had cut his hair, and he couldn't understand, well, what is the difference? What is the true difference between preachers? There's a person who teaches, and he could be a water, and there's a person who plants. Godliness and the selective love of God is demonstrated in the fear of the Lord. Jeremiah 32, 39. Then I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. This is everything that was about the godliness of God. Now let's take a look at the godliness um, that is in man. God, the godliness of man is represented in the need to praise God. Psalms 92, verses 1 through 6. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. 
So God has contained our godliness, our godliness and praise. Furthermore, godliness of man is in the ability to look upon the orphans, the widows, in their trials or afflictions. Pure and undefiled religion before God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And we know who the widows are and who the orphans are. They are those people who have died to their nation and the house of their father. And those who died to their lusts that had risen up against them. Furthermore, godliness and men is demonstrated in the ability to bridle our lips. James 1.26 If anyone among you thinks he is, he is godly and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's godliness is useless. Again, if anyone among you thinks he is godly and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's godliness is useless. Furthermore, the godliness of men is presented in the ability in every place to lift up hands to God in prayer without wrath and doubting. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 8-10 through 10. I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. And sometimes preachers always focus here on um, on the men focus here on the woman. They say the man is supposed to lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Women um, can dress beautifully if this if if how they dress coincides with what is inside, with the beauty that is inside of them. It is not good for our outer beauty to not correspond to our inner beauty. Next question. What purpose is godliness called to fulfill in relations between God and man? So again, what is the purpose of this godliness between God and man? Where do they find one another? How do they cooperate? So the, pur the purpose. What is godliness called to? It is called to participate in the betrothment of God with man in justice and righteousness and loving kindness and mercy. Let us read about this in Hosea chapter 2 verse 19. Hosea chapter 2 verses 19. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice and loving kindness and mercy. In righteousness and justice and loving kindness and mercy. This is a reward for the righteous. The bride of the Lamb contains its righteousness, justice, loving kindness, and mercy. Therefore, if I have righteousness, justice, and loving kindness, and mercy, you are the bride of the Lamb. This is the only example. Of course, we shouldn't stop here. There are other examples as well. Furthermore, the purpose of godliness and the selective love of God is called to participate in uniting us with Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4-7 through seven, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace He have been saved, and raised up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
Again, resurrection is life. Resurrection must become life for us, eternal life. I didn't notice this thought before, but I do like it. Sometimes a person curses God. Why have you given me life? He says, I'm the God of life. Here is life. You will live eternally. The person says, I want to die. I want to disappear. This is a gift given to us, eternal life. And we ourselves define where we are going to live. We choose this gift and we take this gift. Furthermore, the purpose of Godliness and the selective of God is called to bring a person to the perfection of the Heavenly Father. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, again, having a shadow of the good things to come, the future, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. Jesus Christ, His teaching, are representatives of the service of righteousness. Baamos is a service of ministry of condemnation. Furthermore, the purpose of godliness and the select the love of God is the favor of God, His gratitude, in reaction or in an answer to our godliness. This is how God thanks us when we thank Him or when we demonstrate our godliness to Him. Luke chapter 22, verses 28 through 29. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my Father bestowed one upon me. This is the thanksgiving of God. Furthermore, the purpose of godliness in the selective love of God is called to demonstrate the faithfulness of God to the heirs of His promises and His consistency and immutability. Hebrews 6, 17-20 Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us. This anchor... Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And so here we see that godliness will allow us to grab the anchor that goes behind the veil where Christ went and this anchor is strong. The anchor is that promise that is given for hope and hope it is tied to the future. This is where we place our anchor. We place our anchor again in resurrection. It's very important so that the anchor that goes behind the veil to be tied to it. Godliness, the purpose of godliness and the selective of God is called 
to demonstrate the loving kindness of God to his children. Jeremiah 31.3 The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. We thank you, Lord, for these comforting words. Furthermore, the purpose of godliness and the select love of God is called by God to demonstrate the future and hope to his children. Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I would say to give peace and hope, we must place the anchor that is immutable that goes behind the veil. And God says, I will give you future, hope, peace. If we place our anchor correctly. Furthermore, the purpose of righteousness is called to bring us to repentance. Romans chapter 2 verses 1 through 8. Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Strong words. When a person reads them, you know, when I read these places of scripture, I I tremble. Goosebumps. I don't know about you, but I want to read this kind of place of scriptures. I get goosebumps. And again, let us, in order for us to experience these goosebumps again, again. Do you think this, O man, you who judge these practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? Not only that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Furthermore, the purpose of godliness in the selective love of God is called, with its bread, to give bread to the young men and wine to the young woman. We see here, Thumim and Arim, what it does for the men, for the young men and young women. The word of God and the revelation of this word. And this is written in Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 through 11. It turns out, again, this bread and this wine, the young men, they proclaim this word, and the young woman also proclaimed this word, as Maria had done. She proclaimed it. What did she say? She had proclaimed, or said, let it be to me according to your word. This is a strong declaration. She was a young woman. And it's not necessary to just to be a super preacher to do this. A young woman, young men do this. And not long ago, Pastor had said, any kind of word that comes to us in the format of a seed and is sown in our spirit, we must enact it. So, what does this mean? We must understand that we don't just hear and say, what a good what a good brother he is. We must say, let it be to me according to your word. This is that wine that is given to the young woman. God gives his seed and this seed will not be accepted by us until we, we speak with our words and say, let it be to me according to your word. When my proclamation is in union with the proclamation of God, 
the seed will end up in my heart and can grow and produce fruit. Again, Pastor had talked about this not long ago, that it turns out that we must just not just place it in our heart, but it turns out not we just we shouldn't just accept it in our heart, but also proclaim and say, let it be to me according to your word. And when Pastor prays, I say, let it, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be according to your word. I accept. Let it be to me according to your word. This is how he teaches us. Furthermore, the purpose of godliness and the selective of God is called to allow us to stoop down to one another and allows us to be successful in the work of our hands. Psalms 90, verses 16 and 17, Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Furthermore, the purpose of godliness... Let me just take a look at how many pages I have just so I, I know. Not, not much left. Not much left. The purpose of godliness in the selective love of God is called to bring us to ministry through godly men. Any ministry in the church, but only through godly godly men. Acts chapter 22, verses 15 through 17. For you will be his witness to all men, and that you have seen and heard. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, and wash your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in trance. This is Ananias living in Damascus. He needed a godly person to tell him of his calling. Godly men must anoint who have contained the status of the fatherhood of God. Furthermore, the purpose of godliness and the selected love of God is called to make us godly and be grateful with that and what which we have. First Timothy verses six, five through eleven. So we must be grateful in the things we have, for we are brought in nothing into this world and we cannot carry anything out. So godliness means to be joyful. And the purpose of godliness and the selected love of God is called to be a benefit in our present and our future. This is the last component, and we will pray. Let us read 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7-8. through 8. But reject profane and old wives' fables, and ex- exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promised of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. According to his words, to exercise oneself toward godliness that brings us benefit is to reject profane and old wives' fables. Uh, wives' fables are myths, gossip, 
uh, gospel about certain miracles, wonders that have no ratification in the written word. Let us remember that the true godliness of man is his godliness and his thanksgiving to God. It's his ability to look upon the orphans, the widows. It is his ability to imitate Christ and think of what is heavenly as well as search for God in his good, acceptable, and perfect will. These are all definitions of the true godliness of man. According to all of this, to exercise oneself uh, to godliness, we must exercise to godliness. To exercise to godliness, and this exercise means incline our heart to searching for God and thanking Him for His redemption and demonstrate our thanksgiving to Him and our favor. This is the great exercise that we can do when we thank God for this. Again, also this exercise toward works of godliness is to share in the transgressions or the afflictions of the orphans and the widows, those who had died to their nation and those who had died to reigning sin in their bodies. To exercise oneself to works of righteousness or works of godliness is to keep oneself undefiled from the world. It is to keep oneself from being defiled by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. First John 2.16 For all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so, also, to keep oneself um, away from bad company that has an outward appearance of godliness, but has denied its power, um, this is the exercise toward godliness. Also, to exercise oneself toward works of godliness is to imitate Christ and think of what is heavenly through our prayer communication with God. A person who is firm in spirit will be kept in perfect peace. He is someone who has been trained. He who exercises, exercises toward godliness. Again, it's to imitate Christ and think of what is heavenly. And this means through prayer, communication with God, to discipline our thinking, our will, for them to abide in the law of the Most High. Also, to exercise oneself toward laws or to the toward godliness is to search for God in His good, acceptable, and perfect will. It is to continually test ourselves whether or not we are found in the boundaries of the faith of God that is yielded by the teaching of Christ. What a great ending. Let me read it again and we will pray. To exercise oneself toward works of godliness is to search for God in His good, acceptable, perfect will, which means to continually test ourselves whether or not we are found in the boundaries of the faith of God that is yielded by the teaching of Christ. Amen. Let us pray. May you be blessed in your prayers. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the opportunity to be in this place that you... We thank you and we ask you to lift us up to unreachable heights. Let on this place be cursed all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all pho phobias, depression, all of this. Let it depart from the face of your holy people. And so stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your goodness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation. May they rejoice before your face. 
Give us more from your spirit. Allow us to find your holy face. We thank you that this service is presented in your arms. And we ask you to continue to lead us with your magnified hand. We thank you that you continue to teach us from that place that you stand. You have loved the gates of Zion. You have loved Zion. You have loved your righteousness and you have loved your justice. And we thank you that today you have reminded us that we that that righteousness that you speak to us although it sounds like justice but thanks to the fact thanks to how we accept this this judgment for us is mercy we thank you that you have betrothed us to you in righteousness, loving kindness we thank you that we have received the ability in Christ Jesus through your teaching to transform be transformed we thank you that the letter that was written against us you have abolished with your teaching we thank you for Jesus Christ we thank you for the service of justification the service of justification where your righteousness is present we thank you Lord that in your service or in your ministry of righteousness there is no tolerant love there is holy love of God that cannot be purchased for nothing it is a holy love we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your goodness that is found in your depths and that became achievement of the Word of God. And we thank you that today you have demonstrated this Word to us through your Gospel and the teaching of people whom you have established in the Church to reveal your, us, to us your truth. We thank you. We have made your Word the contents of our heart. And we have denied, O Lord, the old man we have accepted the new man, and we have begun to renew our thinking with the spirit of our mind, being clothed into the new man created by God in righteousness and holiness of truth. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your great goodness. We thank you for your great severity. We thank you that you have revealed to us and have given us hope and have given us a future. We thank you, Lord, for your coming. We await for your coming. We, Lord, stand at the door of hope that will allow us in the identity of Christ to be clothed and to meet you. Allow us, Lord, today to proclaim this promise that lies at the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. We thank you that the resurrection of Christ has reigned in our hearts and in our spirit. We thank you. We can proclaim that your truth, your justice has been affirmed in our spirit and in our mind. We ask for it to also be affirmed in our body. 
We thank you for the great fate, for the resurrection of life. You have freed us from the second death. You have freed us from the ministry of condemnation. We thank you, Lord, for your great goodness that you have demonstrated and for the justification. We thank you that we have that you have forgiven our transgressions and you justify us because you according to your word love those who repent we think that the righteous may fall seven times but the wicked can only fall away one time keep us Lord from falling we can fall but keep us from falling we thank you that you are our God that we have the right to call you our Heavenly Father we thank you for your Son Jesus Christ for the Holy Spirit who leads us in the land of uprightness we thank you for the gates of Zion and the Church of God we thank you for your messengers and for the good word that is directed to us in our hearts we thank you that today our heart is the good um, we, we accept your seed in the good soil of our heart and we with trembling will act toward your goodness and the presence of your godliness is defined by our trembling relationship toward your word being found in your godliness is defined by the strong desire for the revelation of your word we thank you Lord for your law for your righteousness that you reveal to us we thank you for the person whom you place to reveal to us your truth and we have acknowledged that that which we hear and that which we accept is impossible to pass along without the action of the Holy Spirit that's why with trembling we act toward that word that we hear we accept it we keep it in our heart we accept it with a proclamation of the words let it be to me according to your word according to the word of your messenger let it be to me according to your word and let this word enter inside me and let this word dwell in me we thank you Lord that you have allowed us to do so thank you Lord for the ability because every spoken word we thank you who allowed us to fall yet remain living because we have kept your godliness 
We have kept you. We thank you, Lord, for godliness. You have allowed us to demonstrate godliness before your holy face. Allow us, Lord, to look upon the widows and orphans, and for this allow us to be clothed into the quality of widows and orphans, and therefore we die, we make the decision to die to our nation, our household, the house of our Father, and our corrupt desires. In doing so, we gain the status of widows, orphans, and foreigners. Because we cannot care for them if we do not share in their fate. And we thank you, Lord, for this great fate. We thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to become partakers of Abraham. We thank you for organize, our organized partaking to Abraham through the Lord Jesus Christ, through that word that you have entrusted to your anointed ones. You have allowed us to become an organized partaking to Abraham. And having an organized partaking to Abraham, we have an organized partaking to you, our Heavenly Father. Because we were hidden in Jesus Christ, hidden along with Him. We were with you. And we, Lord, are found in you. We thank you, Lord, for justification that makes us righteous. And being righteous, Lord, you demonstrate, you show us the standards of holiness. That's why allow us for today our justification be placed into circulation be transformed into righteousness. Allow that life that you've given us in Christ Jesus so we could be uh, transformed to the resurrection of Christ because if life is not transformed into resurrection it is transformed into therefore Lord we accept the decision and we proclaim our agreement to place the silver of our salvation to circulation so that the silver can become gold so that life could become resurrection so that the resurrection of condemnation could become justification and eternal life we thank you that you reveal to us your truths you continue to clearly write them on the tablets of our heart and we ask you Lord for these truths to become the achievement of not just our heart you want all that to become the achievement of our heart to become the achievement of our thinking our mind, our soul and our body in the proclamation of our lips Lord we will wait for your promise we will wait you have said that you will you may tarry you have said wait that promise that you have clearly engraved on the tablets of your heart it will be fulfilled Therefore, Lord, we thank you for the promise that lay that is at the door of our hope. We thank you that according to your mercy you have revealed to your saints according across the whole earth the place of your meeting.
When you we thank you for your mercy and we ask you before you come to your saints we ask you Lord to be demonstrated in us in your righteousness and in your holiness let the resurrection of Christ in us let Christ be in us and let Christ be for us and let Christ be with us and let, let the Lord reign with us thousand years allow us to spend time with Christ in eternity with the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit we thank you Lord for the great future, the great fate we thank you for communi communication with one another we are found in this place and we thank you for that word that resonates for us we thank you for that righteousness and that justice that causes us to tremble but with this word you want to comfort us I ask you th that word that I am troubled by for it to be transformed to me as, as comfort to me so that it be comfort for your children because you want your righteousness through your godliness and your goodness be transformed into mercy we thank you Lord for your great goodness that you have hidden in your son Jesus Christ you have hidden in your word and that you demonstrate in your saints and in our good heart we thank you for this communication we have with you and we ask you to fulfill your lamp with your revelation we know Lord that that word that we hear is none other than the action of the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit you have not been able to pass this along we thank you they have revealed this great promise to us that lays at the door of our hope and you continue to affirm it you have shown us great mercy for you have demonstrated the be your beauty in your redemption but before we came to the tree of life you have allowed us through your anointed one to lay a firm foundation to raise up walls to enter through narrow gates and to come to the tree of life and you are satisfied by this and you have revealed the great mystery that's behind the veil and we throw our anchor there we throw our anchor there behind the veil that is firm hope in that word that is clearly written on the tablets of our heart because Christ has reigned in his resurrection in our hearts and he sits in victory and he waits for us behind the veil that's why today being found in time we throw our anchor where Christ is in the power of his resurrection and we hold on to this anchor and we will not let go of this anchor among all the storms among all the waves we will continue to firmly hold on to our anchor and wait for the fulfillment of the promise in our lives we thank you that we can hold on to the promise of the healing of our bodies we thank you Lord that you view our body 
as a body, not as a flesh, because in our body, the reign of the resurrection of Christ has reigned by faith. And that's why the bodies of saints in whom the old man is bound are called bodies, but those who don't have their old man bound are called flesh. We thank you for our bodies, and the bodies of saints have the right to healing. We ask you, Lord, let you f may you fill with your healing, with your youthfulness, with your resurrection, the bodies of your saints Lord this is not the flesh These are. this is the bodies these are the bodies of your people there's the bodies for which Christ has had died on the cross we ask you in the name of Jesus Christ and for Christ may our bodies be blessed we thank you our Heavenly Father for the promise of healing that was placed 2,000 years ago in our accounts in Christ Jesus and let your mercy be blessed in the fulfillment of the promise for your saints in time and may your healing fill the bodies of your saints and may they be blessed before your face we thank you for the service we ask you to continue to teach us from this holy place we ask you Lord to fulfill your lamp with your oil so that your wisdom your counsel your guidance abide on our pastor with trembling and with joy we have taken the 12 breads from the table of showbreads and we, with trembling, wait for that revelation that you will speak to us on Friday and on Sunday. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not leave us into temptation, but deliver us from the hands of the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.